Welcome to Becoming One Podcast, where as the church, we learn to pursue peace in a divided world. Here is your host, Sean Wilson. Hey, thank you for joining us on today on the Becoming One Podcast. Today's topic is, what is the difference between righteousness and godliness? First, I want to remind you of something in the book of Romans chapter 3, verse 21 and 22. It says this, but now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all those who do what? Believe. For there is no distinction for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God being justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption, which is in Christ Jesus. What I wanted to start off by saying, first of all, the way that we obtain righteousness is through faith in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, the one who's reconciling us to the Father. Amen. It is his righteousness that makes us righteous. It's by faith. It's not by deeds. Let me give you another example. There in the book of Hebrews, it talks about that we have um, the ability to come before the throne of grace to obtain mercy and find grace to help us when we need it. But the only way that you can go into the most holy place and come before that throne is you have to be righteous. Righteous is, righteousness is not based off of good deeds. Righteousness is based off the promise of God and his imputation of the righteousness of Christ in the life of those who have been born again, those who believe in Christ. Now, let me point to something else. I want to really encourage you on today. And we got to understand the difference between these two. So, man, this right here will change your life and perspective about the way that you see the text and what is being spoken. We know that with Abraham, righteousness was accounted to him as um, because of his faith. He was it was accounted to him as righteousness because of his faith. Amen. Not because of his works, but because of his faith before he did anything, it was accounted to him as righteousness. Amen. And in Romans chapter four, verse nine, it says this, is this blessing then only for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised? For we say that faith was counted to Abraham as what righteousness. So how do we obtain faith? I mean, how do we obtain righteousness? Sorry about that. How do we obtain righteousness? We obtain righteousness through faith, through faith in Jesus. It's imparted in us. I'll go, I'll have to do another teaching later and go a little bit deeper into that, but I'm just laying a foundation today on the difference and, and hopefully get you motivated and started to looking at the text and go back for yourself and see this. This is so beautiful. But the other thing is, is godliness. See, godliness is not imputed. Godliness is something that we need to strive for. Godliness is something that we need to live according to the, the word of God for. Amen. And when people will teach you things that are opposite or contrary to what the word of God says, we have to be very mindful and be very careful not to follow those people. For example, let's look at Titus 2. 11 and 12. It says, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, 
training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age, in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our God, our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawless and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. So what is that telling us? This is telling us that we ourselves as believers are to pursue godliness. We also see here in Titus chapter three, verse one, it says, this is what, what Paul was teaching Titus. And he says this, he says, remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle and to show perfect courtesy toward all people. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. So he's telling us that we are not to do those things, but when the goodness and the loving kindness of God, our savior appeared, he saved us, not because of our works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing and the regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Lord and savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Amen. This is so powerful. This is so powerful. And what we need to do is we need to really embrace this call to live godly lives as believers. We're not supposed to ignore that. That's we're supposed to be following what the word of God says. The righteousness of God is, is the milk of the message. When I say it's the milk of the message, it doesn't make it least. It makes it the beginning part. It's very important we understand that we're righteous because of Jesus. Yes, but godliness is something we're supposed to be pursuing in this life. We cannot sit back and think that godliness is just going to happen over time. It's something that we need to be pursuing in, in, our, in our life every single day. Another example that I have is second Peter chapter one, and it's starting at verse three. And this is where we have to really just, let's just listen to this. Second Peter one and three, it says his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire 
So he has empowered us to escape the corruption of the world and its sinful desires. Amen. Because of the sinful desires for this very reason, make every effort. So it's an effort we have to make, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, virtue, meaning character. Amen. Virtue, meaning character. We have to work on our character. We have to, and, and just to, to, I'll share a little bit about that. When, when they looked for the first deacons in Acts chapter six, they looked for people that had a good reputation. Good reputation is tied to your character. Amen. Character has nothing to do with being liked. It has to be being trusted to be fair and to be true. Amen. So when we talk about character, he says to do that. He said, with every effort, supplement your faith with character and your character or virtue with knowledge that grow in the knowledge of Christ and in your knowledge, self-control with disciplining ourselves because he gave us the spirit of power, love and sound mind. Sound mind is a disciplined mind. So to discipline ourselves, what discipline ourselves for what godliness, godly living, amen, standing on the truth of God's word. And then he said to your self-control with steadfastness, to be unmovable, steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly love. So what is he telling us with godliness? Here we are. We're talking about godliness. He wants us to, these are things that we have to grow in. It's what we do. It's not what God do, do in us. He, he made us righteous. He gave us everything that we need, but we have to work it out. The scripture tells us to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling because God is at work within us, right? So that means that he's already at work in us, but we still have to work it out. We have to walk it out. Don't get caught up into these, these messages, these baby messages that just talk about who you are in Christ and things like that. That's important, but there's a responsibility that comes along with being a believer. I often tell people when we look at the scriptures and, and, and I have identified, and this is my personal opinion, I'm going to share it with you. And, and by all means, go back and check it out. First Corinthians chapter three, Hebrews chapter five, verses 12 through um, 13. But whenever we see or hear a message about milk in the scriptures, and there is a time where Peter said, seek the sincere milk. Um, of the Lord. He's talking about something specifically different. I'm talking about how they contrast it with meat in a sense of um, immature and mature believers. So milk is known to be associated with babes and meat is known to be associated with those that are mature. So with that being said, in the book of Hebrews chapter five, it talks about that you should be teachers by now, but you need somebody to teach you the basic elementary principles again. Why? Because they, they are, they are not accustomed to the words of righteousness. They're not accustomed to the, the words of righteousness. So what did it say that they had to do? It says, though it said that those people that were, they exercise their senses because, and then the benefit of that exercising their senses unto righteousness and exercising their exercising themselves unto righteousness. Guess what happened? They were able to discern good from evil in Hebrews chapter five, verse 12 and 13. They're able to discern good from evil. This is a different type of discernment. Then you have the discernment with um, the spiritual gift of discernment. This is a natural ability to discern because that's what it's, it's, it's talking about. I can tie that back to what we were just talking about in second Peter, because he says, if you don't add these things to you, you will be blind. Amen. You won't be able to see. 
So what did he, what does he say in there? He says, first of all, he says, if you do have these qualities, he says, for if these qualities are yours, when I just went through that list, if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful because we're supposed to be fruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities, what, are they, what is the problem with that? He is nearsighted, that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. So we have to practice those things which were listed when we talk about the virtue and your character, we have to work on those areas in our lives. This is what the Lord is calling us to do in this hour. He, as a matter of fact, when I say in this hour right now, he, he was calling us to do that right now. He was calling us to do that 2000 years ago, three, uh, however long ago when he was here. This is what he was calling us to do from the very beginning. He wanted the, the church or the representation of his message to do this, but he has given us the power through Christ to live according to his word. And this is what he's calling us to do in this hour. So I wanted to kind of encourage you to let you know, first of all, there's a difference between the righteousness of God and being, um, and godliness, righteousness and godliness, godliness. We're supposed to exercise ourselves unto um, godliness because it prophesies, it prophesies us in this life and the life to come. That's in first Timothy four. It says we want to be a good minister. We remind people that they're free in Christ, but also that when we exercise ourselves, we exercise ourselves under godliness because it benefits us in this life and the life to come. Brothers and sisters, godliness is not imputed upon us. We have to pursue it. We're told to pursue it. And matter of fact, if someone tells you that you um, don't need to pursue godliness, then you are to ignore them as teachers. So let me prove that to you with, with the scriptures. And, and, and I try my best Honestly, I want to make sure that we we say these scriptures in context. Let's look at first Timothy chapter six as it pertains to that ignoring those people that say those things. So in first Timothy chapter six, verse two, it says this. He's telling Timothy, he being Paul, he says, teach and urge these things. If anyone teaches a different doctrine, and does not agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the teaching that accords with godliness, with godliness, if it's not congruent with godliness, these things, that's what they're supposed to be teaching. They're supposed to be teaching you to conform to godliness in this life. And, and it says this in verse four, he is puffed up and with conceit and understands nothing. He has a unhealthy craving for controversies and for quarrels about words, which produce envy, dissension, slander, evil suspicions, and constant friction among people who are deprived in, who are depraved in mind and deprived of the truth. 
imagining that godliness is a means of gain. Now, there are some that was teaching whether um, if you be good so you can get good stuff, but that's not that's not the case either. You don't have to do good to get good, good things. So that's not why we that's not why we pursue godliness. Amen. That's not why we pursue godliness. Verse six says this, but godliness with contentment is great gain. It's talking about becoming mature, becoming mature. So when you when you grow in godliness, the, it's going to produce it's going to produce a um, with the right heart contentment. And you're going to find out that the great gain and all these other things or the things that people want you to to kind of focus on, those things are going to become less and less important to you. You're not going to be driven by the things of this world when you exercise yourself unto godliness because godliness teaches the opposite of that. Amen. So even as we go through verse seven, it says, for we bought nothing into this world and we cannot take anything out of this world. So a person who is is, is seeking godliness with contentment, knowing that is great gain, understands that their rewards, their greatest rewards are not here in this world. But our greatest rewards are in heaven. Our greatest rewards is in the eternal life. It's, it's beyond here because the things that we have here, we can't take with us. That's why Paul is mentioning that. Because once we exercise ourselves unto godliness and we start to really get the word of God in us, we'll find out that the things here are just things. We can't take them with us. They depreciate with when we purchase them most of the items that we get in verse 8 it says but if we have food and clothing with these we will be content so what he's basically saying our basic necessities if we have all of our necessities taken care of it's not about having an abundance of things it's about having what we need amen having what we need but those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plurge, that plurge the people into ruin and destruction. So when we see that a person that has a love of money, those that desire to be rich, fall into temptation. They open themselves up to temptations that becomes a snare. It becomes a distraction. They no longer are content. They have to work for everything. It's like money is the is the center of their universe. If they didn't have the money, then they wouldn't have purpose. They wouldn't be happy. Amen. So let's look at this. It, it goes into it says into the snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that purge the people into ruin and destruction in verse 10 for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil it is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many um, paint pongs but when we look at this what he's talking about is he said some people have have wandered away from the faith, they stopped trusting God and started trusting in themselves and their abilities to sustain themselves. But they stopped trusting the Lord. This is not about quitting a job. This is not, it may be for some people, but it may not be. You have to pray and ask God, what is this meaning to you today? 
But what I'm telling you is the message. The message is this. Trusting in God. I'll be transparent. There has been times I had to grow in that area of my life to trust God to take care of me in every situation. It's not based off of my resources, but based off his resources. And I'm going to tell you, every single time he he continues to do it today. Amen. He continues to do it today. And I'm going to say, if you sow sparingly, you will reap sparingly. I will tell you that that's true. But I'm not telling you when I say sow sparingly and reap sparingly, um, or when you sow bountifully, you shall reap bountifully. What I'm telling you is he's not asking us to give beyond what we can give. He just want us to be givers and be joyful in giving. But this is not what I'm talking about as the whole message. The bottom line is, is we have to learn how to be content. Don't get distracted by the love of money and be drawn away from trusting in the Lord. When when it says to be to wander away from the faith, it's to wander away from trust in God. It's not wandering away from Christianity. It's running away and not trusting in Jesus to sustain you. Amen. Not 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 trusting in Jesus to sustain you. I'm going to continue to read this just to close out because I got to make sure I get the other side of this. Um, when he says, but as for you, O man of God, flee these things, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, um, gentleness, fight the good fight of faith. Those are the things that we're supposed to be pursuing. We don't pursue, don't pursue the money, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, and gentleness. How do we pursue righteousness? That's through faith in Jesus. That's how we get righteous is through Jesus Christ himself in the building of our faith and in godliness. Um, he also says to fight the good fight of faith, take hold of eternal life. He says, look beyond this life and look to the, to the promise of eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. And then he says, I charge you, Timothy. He's talking to Timothy. And this is something that we can learn. He says, I charge you in the presence of God who gives life to all things and of Christ Jesus, who in his testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession to keep the commandments unstained and free from reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he will display at the proper time. He who is the blessed and the only sovereign, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see. To him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. Now he talked about also closing this out. He talks about rich people. He talks about those that are wealthy. He says, as for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be arrogant, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but to set them on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. So he gives the rich 
and everyone everything to to enjoy who richly provides us with everything to enjoy they are to do good this is what his instructions are to those that are wealthy they are to do good to be rich in good works to be generous and ready to share thus storing up treasures for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life that is so awesome see the lord has given us instructions he has given some people the uh, ability and the wealth some have wealth and, and it says god is the one that provided it for them that's why he can give the instructions on what to do with that wealth and he says those that are wealthy don't be high-minded don't be high-minded don't set your your hearts on the uncertainty of riches because you can have it today and it be gone tomorrow don't do that he says but but what he wants us to do is he does want us to enjoy it but he also wants us to be to do good works to be rich in good works to be generous to be ready to share knowing that we store up treasures in heaven you see he's still talking about pointing ourselves and our minds towards the eternity and as i was talking about today about the identity and the responsibility of the believer the the milk and the meat righteousness versus godliness um not that they go versus one another but the definition and responsibility of righteousness is through faith and, and godliness is something we must pursue through the good works as as what we see from peter i gave you examples from jesus i gave you examples from paul um but I want us to really understand that this is a message that's that's throughout scripture that we're supposed to be following what the word of God says, living a godly life. We should flee idolatry. We should flee fornication. We should not lie to one another. We should be hospitable to all people. We should forgive just as Christ has forgiven us. We should understand that our call in the body of Christ is to be conformed to the image of Jesus in this life. To be the salt and the light of the earth, we must exercise ourselves unto godliness. We must understand that we are righteous through faith in Jesus, but we have a call of godliness and holiness in this life. Amen. So be encouraged. Understand what the word of God says in this hour as it pertains to being called the righteousness of Christ. Yes, that's that's a blessing. But we also supposed to exercise ourselves, exercise ourselves unto godliness. Exercising ourselves unto godliness is not a work. The work is is this is what the work is. The work is always pointing towards how one becomes saved. That's we don't become saved because we exercise ourselves unto godliness because we're being christ-like that's not considered work we don't that's it's not considered work to flee to flee fornication it's not considered work to take care of my family or my kids this is where some where some get so they get stuck they get stuck in just talking about milk but we got to graduate to meat 
It's time to graduate to meet for the body of Christ. We must graduate to meet. We have to do and fulfill our responsibilities as believers because we're not here for ourselves. We're here for other people. We're here to share the gospel message. We're here to be the salt and be the light. Yes, we are here. We can enjoy our families and everything else that God has blessed us with. But we are here to give people an avenue to be born again. And if we're not if we're not exercising ourselves unto godliness, and that means having good behavior, that means conducting ourselves. And when we talk, we minister grace to the hearer. This is important. It's very important. Those that are chosen to be ministers in the body of Christ, servants to others, you need to, first of all, you got to take care of your own family. If you ain't taking care of your family first, then you're not qualified. You're not qualified. Not because I said it, because scripture says it. And that's our first ministry. We have to have a good reputation inside and outside the church. When it talks about even deacons, it says test the deacons. Well, how do you test the deacons? Is it a written examination? No, you test it with their life. That's why I say, like, I will call before I ordain anybody. I'm going to be calling their boss. Who they work for. I need reference from, from, from people within the community that know about you. What do they know? I don't care if they don't like you, but they'd be like, I don't like him, but he fair. I can tell you that he got character. You can have character and not be liked. You can be consistent and have a good reputation and not be liked by people personally. That's being liked is about personality. Anyway, it's not about character. Amen. It's about personality. Some people may get jealous and, 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 or whatever. That's, that's their, that's their business. But when it talks about somebody's character, that's something that we work on. That's something that we work on. And we all have things we need to work and develop on our character. Amen. So we this is all, uh, examining ourselves, not just examining other people, but we need to make sure that we are ready to do what God has called us to do. If the world sees us respond and act just like the world, why would they want to come to be a, a Christian or a believer in Christ if they see us act the same way that they act? Amen. So I wanted to share that with you today because I think it's very important that we understand the difference and distinguish that difference between righteousness and godliness. And that we understand that there's a responsibility for the believers to live according to the word of God and walk according to his word. It is what we're called to do. So with that said, I pray that you have a great and wonderful um, rest of 2021. And of course, we'll be back in here um, the next couple of days and, and we will share some more on this topic. But I am excited about what God is doing in this time. Um, and as things may appear to, to be um, disheartening in society with, we see um, increased deaths, we see um, murders, we see 
a lot of depression, mental illness, and things along that line, make yourself available to help someone. Make yourself available to be encouragement to someone in this hour. Um, weep with those who weep. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Do everything to the glory and the honor of God. God bless you. Amen. Thank you for joining us today on the Becoming One podcast. We request that you please like, share, and subscribe to our station, YouTube channel, and Facebook page. Remember to pursue peace in a divided world. We the church must organize, neutralize, and evangelize. Let's become one.